You guys want some cookies? 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 Welcome back to the garage. Wait, what do I even say? It's been so long. What do you say? I don't know. I've never heard this podcast before. Welcome to the who? To the who? Welcome. You can do this. I believe in you. I think you can do it. Welcome back to the garage. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback Podcast. That's it. That sounds right to me. Yeah. Are we going forward with this? Yeah, this is it. All right, this is the beginning of the show. This is Dan Hansis, joined as I always am by my bosom buddy, Bubby Castrone. Hey, Bob. You got there. It took Nailed a minute. It. You got there, and I'm proud of you. So proud. Only one Tito's in, so you can't blame drinking. It has legitimately been a long time because, uh, the in the irony of all ironies, after three years of talking about burning down this garage, Bob's own garage um, nearly burned down, causing him to flee the state like a, a common coward. But now <laughs> like, he's back. Like a coward? <laughs> was that, what was I supposed to do? You're like, hum and a hum and a hum. I don't, Cloud I don't, of dust on a plane. Cartoon I plane. I didn't have the tools to battle the bobcat fire that ravaged the Pasadena area nary a month ago. But yeah, I know. How about that? Shit got real. Our town was like full of smoke. You would step outside and it was like, Don't cap. you would see the fire mm-hmm. in the mountains and ash everywhere. It was mm-hmm. like stranger things. And uh, we... Nice cultural reference. See, I, I can relate to the youths. Mm-hmm. We got away for the weekend and then shit kept getting worse. So we eventually ended up on an airplane to uh, upstate New York where we spent the last month of our lives. So the state of California caught on fire. Yes. And your first instinct was to get on a plane and flee the state. No, my first instinct was to turn it into an evacuation and go to San Diego for the weekend and spend more money than we had on like a fun hotel. And, love uh, San Diego. Love San Diego. And then after that, uh, the things just kept getting worse in our town. So we went to a, a hotel in Scottsdale, Arizona for a week. Welcome Thank- to the hotel, Scottsdale, Arizona. Nailed it. That feels like a song that probably just came out there and all the whites are loving it. <laughs> Everybody in Scottsdale, I don't know if we have any Scottsdale loves listeners. Loves the Eagles. Loves the Eagles. And uh, I think Arizona as a state, everybody's either wealthy or methy. There's nothing in between. Mm, so a lot of people, that's tricky. So a lot of people with money and a lot of people on meth. And that was it. You didn't stay there very long. It sounds like you were uncomfortable there. We were there for a week. And uh, Arizona, for the record, for the record, have two records. No, record number one, having to evacuate during coronavirus, not fun. And uh, record number two, um, Arizona doesn't give a fuck about coronavirus. They're just living their best lives. Yeah, that was and that was very worrisome. Yeah, in Texas this summer when we um, went to visit the in-laws and stay there for a couple, like a month or so, and uh, then there was a second wave, pandemic wave, which led to people wearing masks in Texas, but. When we first got there, there was a level of don't give a fuck that was just on an epic scale. <laughs> right. Going to Walmart and getting actual looks from dudes in the hunting department for wearing a mask. Like, who's this Yankee? I bet he looked good nude. Like, stuff like that. I like that you were in the hunting department at a Walmart. I was passing it. <laughs> I don't get, I can't even, We oh, I had a, a little vermin outbreak here. In the in garage? In the garage, yes. Um, I have since taken care of it. 
Um, but I want to let you know that I did set the traps, but I had my wife clean up the carcass <laughs> because I don't like things of that nature. Just and, my and thing. Further, and your wife loves things of that nature. She loves it. Well, she's Texan, so she, she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like Lenny from Of Mice and Men. She just wants to, like, <laughs> pet the little pretty Well, she's cats. not developmentally challenged, Bob, <laughs> but she definitely has less of a fear of, I guess, dead animals and things of that nature. I don't know. <laughs> You know, we we are we grew up in the suburbs. We're not city boys, but we're not country boys either. So I feel like I just never developed that. Oh, there's you know a squirrel got run over and its insides are splayed out in front of the driveway. Let me get my shovel and scoop it up. I'm right. like, no, 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 no. No, we had the occasional raccoon that would come into our uh, garbage cans, but we weren't like a, a critter central. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So so much music to choose from every time we get in the garage. Uh, but uh, current events conspired, Bob, to get us uh, on the same page for tonight's episode. It's true. The great, unfortunately now late, Eddie Van Halen. Oh, Van Halen has passed away from throat cancer? Man, that's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, any cancer sucks. But Eddie, they had to remove a part of his tongue at one point, and it was just something that hung around forever, and it finally got him, I believe he was, what, 65 in that range? Sounds about right. Yeah, so Eddie Van Halen passes away, and this is eruption, of course. It's, it's, we're, you know, we're gearheads, we're guitar guys. Right, M- musicians, axemen. So here is the greatest guitar of all time, the greatest guitar part, the greatest guitar song. Eruption. No, and, you got an axe, and, Bob. And just so the listener knows, that's me. <laughs> I was going to say, Bob, he was he was known, of course, for his famous, you know, tapping on the neck of the guitar with both hands move. Have you right. picked Same. that up yet for the dad bods, your um, house band? Same. Yeah, no, that's what I'm known for, too. Same thing. All right. You haven't picked up that guitar. and That didn't come to New York, put it that way. No, no. In fact, you threw it into your garage as kindling. Like, if this thing's going to go up, let me just get things out of here that I don't need and I don't use. I used it as a fan to keep the flames away. (laughs) So at least I picked it up. So the original plan, by the way, was I was going to play Eruption there at the top of the show. We were going to talk a little bit about Eddie Van Halen. But then uh, Bob and I got on the same page. Why don't we do a Van Halen album? Which is an interesting choice for this show because neither Bob uh, nor myself... Were like big Van Halen guys or big Van Hagar Van Hagar guys, but they were a omnipresent band for any kid of the '80s. Uh, and I'm glad that we're going. It's unfortunate the circumstances that have caused us to dive in on Van Halen, and we're going to do 1984, which is their last album with David Lee Roth, and also kind of like their uh, pop pinnacle. Um, but uh, it's fun that we're going to do this. So I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Yeah. Van Halen was, yes, they got us to buy some Crystal Pepsi in the early 90s. Oh, hell yeah. They like did. they were able to motivate us to go to the Walgreens, borrow a dollar from our moms to buy some Crystal Pepsi. 
but this isn't the Tom Petty memorial episode. This isn't that because that when Tom Petty died, we were we were affected completely. And like, I had to sit my son down and tell him like, Hey, I have to tell you. Something. I was like, Bob, pull it together. You don't even know him. And he's like, I can't do it, man. But, I can't even do the show. But you man. know what? I felt like, like I did. I felt like I did because he's, you know, one of my favorite artists ever. Van Halen, like you said, was omnipresent. I was like, cut the shit, Dan. I'm being serious. I mean, I'm trying right to make now. a point here and your kids just ran into the garage <laughs> and you had to snap at them to get them to leave. So the fact that I haven't even stuttered should be acknowledged. All right. Yeah. Wipe your tears and finish your point. Van Halen's cool. <laughs> that was what I was going to get to ultimately, I think, is that Van Halen has just been fucking cool our whole lives. And even if you're not a huge Van Halen fan, you have to respect the guy and respect the band. I mean, Eddie Van Halen, cool. Yes. David Lee Roth in Van Halen. Oh, the coolest. Cool. Yeah. David Lee Roth, first. All right, we'll, we're going to yeah, get yeah, to yeah, all yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. We've we got plenty we of time. Back. Not too much time, though, Bob, because the interesting thing about uh, the 1984 album with the great cover of the Cherubic Angel with a pack of cigarettes, yep. which is very good. Um, nine tracks, I believe 37 minutes. It's like a Weezer album, early period <laughs> Weezer album. Or New Strokes. Uh, so let's dig in. Hold on, before we dig oh. in, we got to go back. Yes, we we must. I did the work. This album came out, Dan. I think you know what year it came out. Mm-hmm. Nailed it, 84. Yep. January 9th, 1984, two days after Bob Castrone turned four years old. So, little, little what is baby your, Bob. What is your earliest memory? In life? Yes. Because for me... A getting, to the gra- getting to the garage tonight. <laughs> like walking in and being like, hey, Dan, like that's it. You're in the throes of drug addiction, <laughs> aren't you, Bob? What is the... Like, cause does 84 ring a bell to you at all? I think I have memories. Born in eighty. I have memories from eighty three, for sure. No, you don't. Yeah, not like vivid, amazing memories, but I have like little flashes from eighty three. Really? Yes, because my grandfather died in eighty three, and I have like two memories of just like weirdly being in the house and like playing with a you know little toy car. Again, they're not like vivid, but I feel like you're like. um... I feel like you're really worried about stuff you've done to your sons when they were three years old now. (laughs) No, I'm I. I'm worried that like this is like a sneaky flex uh, of your brain power because for me it's five or six. Mm. That's when they get real. That's when the memories become like more vivid. But. Yeah. Anyway. But on January 9th, 1984, the day this album came out was the same day that a very famous Wendy's commercial premiered where an old lady said, Where's the beef? Yeah. That lady. What's your oldest memory of Where's the Beef? <laughs> um... The guy in our high school named the beef. Vinny the beef. Yeah, Vinny yeah, the beef. That yeah. was exciting. That's my oldest memory of where's the beef. Uh, that month, the Supreme Court ruled. Imagine your nickname in high school is the beef. The beef. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome if you give it to yourself. It can go either way. <laughs> uh, the Supreme Court ruled that the um, private use of home VCRs to tape TV programs for later viewing does not violate federal copyright laws. Wait, that was a conversation piece? It, it was a 5-4 ruling. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the good old days. It was that close. It was that close. So wait, it could have gone either way. Wait, if it went five four the other way, how are they planning to enforce it? I don't know, but who knows? The people would have been knocking down doors. It would have been like, uh, like Germany in nineteen forty five. They would have just been knocking on the door to see if you had any uh, VHSs. I mean, obviously there is a through line here uh, with you know these big corporations not liking the idea of technology messing with mm-hmm. their shit, and it, it goes. 
straight through to Napster and the idea that these record companies no longer could control how we got our uh -huh. music. And now with DVRs and everything, how do you figure out uh, what the ratings are? But that that is really interesting <laughs> to me because like with Napster as an example, right. you weren't technically, not even technically, you were stealing this copyrighted music, yep. uh, which we know nothing about. Uh, and, but with the VCR thing, it's like, what were they afraid of? Like this was all something that was happening in your home. We are in the midst of a uh, Supreme Court justice being confirmed right now. I would love it if somebody on that committee asked her about this ruling. Her take. <laughs> so, uh, like, what's your take? In January of 1984, the Supreme Court ruled it. <laughs> what, what is your opinion? Should we be allowed to right. tape things off of a VCR? <laughs> it's like, and, and make her understand the premise. Like, you are a sitting Supreme Court justice in 1984, where do you come down on I, I want her opinion now, though. Like, if I bought a VCR now, do you still think that there's the precedent there to keep it this way? Wow, five to four. <laughs> That's so great. That is some, sh that is some shit. What is the, the Orwell book was 1984, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I feel like that would have been an Orwellian nightmare if they were like, oh, yeah, you have to die if you VCR <laughs> The Cosby Show. Uh, if you tape that show and then watch it two days later. Wow, Bob, what a nug. You know who almost died in uh, January 1984? Michael Jackson when he was burned during the filming of a Pepsi commercial. Mm, I love that. One of the things that I enjoy about living in Los Angeles is all these like crazy things happened right around where we are right now. Mm -hmm. Like That happened, I believe, at Sony Studios, which is about two miles from here and right down the street from NFL Network headquarters. The man's hair caught on fire. And that became something that was parodied for the rest of his life. Yes. And, and MJ coming up a lot late, lately on the show. He is, his hair catches on fire while shooting the Pepsi ad. And if you go on YouTube, you could actually see the clip is somehow um, survived uh, the B roll of his hair catching on fire and being put out. They rush him to the hospital right here in downtown Culver City. Mm hmm. And they, um, he has to get skin grafts, and it really fucked him up. In fact, they say that that's where his uh, pill addiction began in mm. during the recovery process of the head on fire incident. He, um, because he was so happy with the work of the doctors at the hospital, he pumped in a huge sum of money into that hospital to open up a, a children's hospital wing at the Culver City Hospital here. I believe it was the Michael Jackson wing, which I don't think has that name anymore. Probably not. For reasons that you don't know, Bob, because you didn't watch the documentary on no, HBO. No, I, I don't know why. Uh, but what? we'll just leave it at that. He uh, he was a complicated individual. He was. And that complicated individual also had the number one song in the country, along with another megastar in January 1984. Oh, yeah. I'm nailing it with the segues tonight, by the way. No, that was very good. That. Yeah. You're a real pro. Yep, pro. I've been, that's what I've been doing in New York for the last month is learning how to podcast. But you just, you just talked over the beginning of the song. So did you now. Only because you did.
there you go. Say, 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 Maka. Paul McCartney. And, of course, Michael Jackson. One of the biggest hits of the 80s. How about that? Is it one of the biggest hits of the 80s? It is. You want to know how big a hit it was? I do. In 2013, Billboard magazine listed the song as the 41st biggest hit of all time. Oh, my God. On the Billboard Hot 100 charts. Now, it's important to give a little context here. And you know McCartney. We all love Paul McCartney. Living legend. Bob hates him, actually. I'm uh, Team Pete Best, so... (laughs) You know what? Uh, Screw all those guys. McCartney was always very commercial-minded, and uh, this single happened to drop on the McCartney album, Tug of War, and uh, I believe it was right in the afterglow of Thriller. So anything that had Michael Jackson on it in this Mm -hmm. era was going to fucking explode, throw in a Beatle... I mean, it's the closest thing to a short thing you've ever. Yeah, if they would have fucked this recorded. up, forget it. There's no fucking this up. All right, now let's let's come to let's have a reckoning here. This song fucking sucks. Yeah, I never want to listen to it again. <laughs> it's better than the the other it's terrible than duet Ebony the and girl Ivory. is mine oh i was going oh yeah that's the one i was thinking. well that's yeah, another yeah. terrible duet i know duet. i was just thinking of all the duets duet. from the uh early that's mccartney 80s. and stevie wonder yes. right yes i mean mccartney was really it's like he turned 40 and was like holy shit <laughs> dude you're a, you're a beetle you're like one of the you're arguably the beetle let's yeah we don't need to be releasing the schlock the girl is mine was the duet that was on thriller which right. was also a huge hit this is the one where they're they're dressed as minstrels in the video, I think. Yeah, I remember there was a pop-up video of this one, and at the end of it, they're on an old like farm barn truck. I don't know. That sounds right to me. I just don't get it. I never understood this some of this stuff. But this was kind of a very early '80s pop song. Yeah, we were only four. You can't blame us for this. Um, all right, so say, 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 how about that, Bob? The 41st biggest hit of all time on the Billboard Hot 100 charts. Where is it on the list of songs to be buried to that um, <laughs> Robbie Williams topped? <laughs> Following the release of Thriller and most of its singles, Say, Say, Say was released on October 3rd, 1983. Uh, it remained a top Billboard's Hot 100 for six weeks and became Jackson's seventh top 10 hit of 1983. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's amazing. Whoa. That's amazing. Not his seventh top ten hit. Right. Which would be incredible on its own. Of 1983. <laughs> Has anyone ever owned a year in popular music more than Michael Jackson owned the year 1983? I don't think it's even close. No, I, I don't think you can even. I think that's his whole thing, basically. So fucking famous. Hair on fire. <laughs> Problematic. Died private life. Died a bit too soon without having done anything wrong, according to the guy that's never seen the documentary. <laughs> died a bit too soon, or right on time, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> Depends on whether or not you have HBO. <laughs> All right, Bob. It is time for 1984. Have you ever heard 1984 in its entirety? You've heard singles, of course. Definitely heard the singles. I, my dad. I remember my dad had the cassette because the second you mentioned that cover it like immediately pops in my head it's like an iconic cover so my dad had the cassette i think he would pop it in during uh car rides big steve i don't know if i'm going to recognize the songs that aren't singles because it's been a long time but i'm excited to listen to it now your your dad steve had a great mustache oh 
One, so, of, the, one of the best. An iconic stash. Why not carry on the legacy? Why is it still not here? Why am I looking at your face right now and not seeing a mustache? Do you want the real reason? Yeah. Uh, in a couple of weeks, I start a new show mm-hmm. where my one of my main jobs is going to be writing jokes for like a 24-year-old uh, swimsuit model. And uh, I figure that's already a stretch that she would like respect right. me in I know any way. Exactly where you're going with this. But if I was the guy like right across from her, like holding up a whiteboard with a joke on it, and I had this like creepy mustache, yeah. there's no way that we could ever work together. It's like uh, Mindy, how's everything going? <laughs> Everything's going like really good, but <laughs> who's like the creepy guy? Yeah, I can't be the creepy guy on set. So no. after we're done with the show, the mustache is coming back. That okay. is my promise to you. Okay. You promise? Yes. All right, good. Here we go. 1984, Van Halen. Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. We celebrate you tonight, good sir. This is an instrumental, Bob, and it's a statement of intent by Eddie Van Halen uh, because this is obviously famous as a synthesizer album for the greatest rock band, hard rock guitar band in the world. Mm -hmm. But let's listen uh, to the transition, Bob. robot stuff. Is this their kid, eh? <laughs> yes! <laughs> I love... I didn't yeah. know that Jump had a kid, a build-up. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes! Yeah. This is it. Van Halen lineup, David Lee Roth, lead vocals, Eddie Van Halen, guitar, synth, backing box, Alex Van Halen on drums, and everybody's favorite, Michael Anthony. <laughs> I just always enjoyed that guy on bass, and one of the great backing, backing vocalists in the history of rock. Yeah, he's up what there you with your boy Mike Mills. Mike Mills and Michael Anthony, to me, yeah, would be, I mean, I would love to see them physically fight. <laughs> the two of them but I'd pay good money for that Mike Mills uh, the bassist for REM also I even told him at a Super Bowl a bar in Indianapolis and he was 
you know, you give a fuck. He's like, okay, thanks, buddy. If you want to tell Michael Anthony, I believe he lives in Glendora, which is not too far from here. So you can go there and tell him. Um, yeah, so this was obviously a massive hit. Um, this amazing. Is, this is one of those songs, as I'm listening to it for the 10 billionth time in my life, it's one of those songs I can't imagine not being in the world. Like, yeah. there are very few songs that have that sort of, like, level of penetration where you're like, the world would be different without it. Let's listen to the Eddie solo. Yeah, it's like fun listening to it with fresh ears because it's such a great, fun rock song. It's one of those songs where if you're flipping through the radio and it comes on Q104, you're going to keep flipping. But when you sit down and listen to it, yeah. it's fun to listen to. Like listen to the synth part. This is, if you grew up in the 80s, like this is part of the experience. Yeah. Like this song, Chuck Klosterman wrote on Vulture. Uh, he ranked it number 16 among, among Van Halen songs. An articulation of unadulterated joy and the unprecedented power of six rudimentary keyboard chords arranged in the best possible sequence. <laughs> That's Here it. it is. And Bob is a, a musician, and we're both musicians. Songwriting can be so hard, but then you hear it like this, and it's oh, so simple. There it is. Just those six, six notes. Um, David Lee Roth <laughs> directed the video. And is there was, anything David Lee Roth can't do? Yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff in the, the intro to the Wikipedia entry. Uh, David Lee Roth dedicated the song to the martial artist Benny the Jet Urquidez, of whom he was a student. <laughs> of course he was, because that's what you did in the 80s. You, uh, you studied karate from a karate master. And then because he directed the video... He made sure, Bob, when you're the director, right? You tell me, Bob, you directed a major motion picture, Flock of Dudes. Not a major, but yes. A, a motion, motion picture, picture <laughs> which you can get in Australia. Uh, New Zealand. New Zealand. Where there's no COVID. So, I mean, that's the place to go in general. Right. And they have Flock of Dudes. So it's like, why wouldn't everybody be in New Zealand right now? So if you're the director, but you're also the star. Now, you weren't. In flock of dudes. No, I kept myself out. I, I had the opportunity, but I was like, you know I'm what? I don't want to. Do I don't want to. You know, outshine these uh, Crystalia and his friends. I'm glad. I'm glad, Bob. And yeah. you'll notice. And this this really, I think, reflects well on me. I never said, Bob, get me in your movie. I was like, give me a, give me a, a scene, put my back in, because I, I want to see myself on the big screen. Never happened. No, you came to set. You were never in it. Your brother is in the movie. Yep, Kevin you, Danger Hands. We got Kevin in there. Who, by the way, is a massive Van Halen fan. Nice. So he'll enjoy this. So what sure. is your question for the director? Oh, so if you're directing something, but you're also in front of the camera, mm-hmm. and if you've seen the jump video, you know that most of the, like 29% of the video, maybe 89% of the video is David Lee Roth doing slow motion karate slow, kicks? Yeah, kicks and jumps. I mean, it was very literal. He kept it very literal. How does that work? How do you, is that the cinematographer's job? You tell the cinema, hey, get me doing this like kick-ass karate kick off the drum stand. Like t- take me through I how would, it would work. I would imagine, and I'm putting myself in the in the mindset of David Lee Roth in 1983, <laughs> setting up this video. Um, I would imagine you're, you're doing what you want to do. Then you're getting somebody to, do it for you while you're behind the camera. You're having somebody step in a little right. stand and do the kick and be like, yep, that's the shot. 
Now, but not as well because nobody could do like a spandex karate kick better than Roth. No, obvi- obviously. Yeah. So he's like, all right, imagine that, but better. All right, I'm going to go back in front of the camera now. I'm calling action because I'm the fucking boss here. Yeah, he is. I'm not letting my AD do it. I'm fucking calling action <laughs> and watch me do this shit. Like they have the stand in. Hey, hey, stand in. Hey, Carl. Uh, do a karate kick <laughs> off the drum set, and he did it, yeah. and his leg just exploded. Yeah, he like landed on his dick. Then the second guy did it, and uh, he had like a like he had like a brain tremor that just <laughs> shut down half of his body for the rest of his life. And it was the '80s, so everybody just like threw like Molson beer cans at him and moved on with their lives. <laughs> and then it's like, okay, enough of the stand-ins. And then Roth did it, yep. and like he licked like the front of his foot yep. as he did the kick. And then he called cut, and he fucked someone against their will. Like I don't make I don't want to make light of it, Bob. But how did <laughs> I think we're allowed to ask this question now because COVID's kind of completely overshadowed it? How did David Lee Roth not die of AIDS? Oh wow, That's fair question. Uh the same reason Chris Christie didn't die of COVID. Sometimes, despite all the logic, things just don't fall the way you think they're going like, to fall. You know. You know that David Lee Roth was not practicing safe sex throughout the 80s. Or 90s. Or 2000s. Or probably 2000s. Or 70s, if you go back even Or further. the 70s. But, that you know, the 70s were free love. Like, in the 80s, Roth, you know, escaping any major venereal disease, and maybe he didn't. We don't know that. Oh, yeah. Who, like, who was, all right, who was banging I think I know the answer, more than the Roth from, let me set the years here. Van Halen, can, we get in, can we get into the next song while you do this, or do we need to no, set up the next song? No, this is very serious, because okay, the next song's great. Got it, got it, got it. They broke through in about 78, I believe, with the Van Halen one. So let me set it at 1980 to 1986. That run oh, of wow. six years. Is there anyone who made more love? <laughs> There's no love. Lee There's <laughs> made more love. <laughs> Making it's a, that's an amazing turn of phrase. Make more love. <laughs> uh, no, honestly, I don't think there is. I can't think of anybody that I would even put because because I have somebody in mind. The next, that I, I think maybe the next wave would be like Bon Jovi and Tommy Lee and people like that, but not from eighty to eighty six. It doesn't have to be eighty to eighty six, but a six year stretch. Oh, okay. let me cut that's it at five years because it's a better number. Five year stretch. Think about it while we get. Into Panama, another one of the great Van Halen, Van Halen singles. Easy for me to say. Driving to a Yankee game, listening to Q104 right now. Yeah, this is so Q104. <laughs> I'm going over the GW Bridge. I'm getting on the Major Deegan. <laughs> and Panama's ripping out of the uh, Ford Escort. I often think that I wasn't born in the right year. 
And when I listen to Panama, it makes me think I should have been born in 1965. So I could have been on a Daytona Beach spring break in 1984 with my fucking cool mustache and uh, giant shades listening to fucking Panama with a bunch of 80s babes dancing around me. Oh, what a picture you painted. <laughs> That's <bro>. it. Daytona, <laughs> 84, Panama. The song reportedly written about a car. Roth told Howard Stern um, the meaning behind the song. features some suggestive lyrics, which of course is a Van Halen standard, but it's about a car that Roth saw race in Las Vegas. Its name was the Panama Express, hence the title of the song. I, I've never thought about what the song is about. I'm already not thinking about what the song is about. Yeah. It's just a fucking great rock song. I love this breakdown. Yep. Yeah, we're running a little bit hot tonight. I can barely see the road from the heat coming off. Down between my legs, <laughs> ease the seat back. She's yeah, that's, fun. I mean, come on, How that's great, that? so fun. It's just great, fun rock and roll. And it's amazing, like, the, you know, seven years later, Nevermind was the biggest rock album in the world. Like, how much had changed? I mean, that's insane. When you, I've never thought, like, seven years. Because it just feels 80s, and that feels like a right. different universe when you get into the 90s. Seven years now is like, all right, 2013, who gives a fuck? right. We wouldn't even do a 2013 episode on this podcast because it's not even a throwback. Like, what what defined 2013, like, dubstep in pop music <laughs> was kind of a big thing. But yeah. think about, yeah, the difference in what was commercially at the top of the charts. Uh, I, I really enjoy, so far we're on fire with this album because I there is, like, a joy to the music in addition to it just being, you know, catchy and fun and... Rothman. Oh, so Roth, do you have anybody that you think beats him? We're sticking with in the music genre. Music genre. I think you have to throw Tommy Lee in there. Like there has to be a hair metal guy. Maybe there's somebody that's not Tommy Lee that's in the conversation, but I feel like the hair metal dudes. Right. Which Van Halen kind of predated, but also kind of gets lumped into. But I feel like that was the era of just insane fucking. What about the guy uh, from Poison who Brett had Michaels? the great line? No, not Brett. Oh. <laughs> about uh, Pam. Uh, Pam Anderson. Wait, well, who is that guy? I, I could picture him from the uh, VH1 <laughs> behind the music. Oh, what's the big deal, you know? Uh, takes a big drag of his fucking cigarette. Uh, so his uh, video got out there, Brett and... Pamela Lee, you got to fuck the ultimate bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Don't print that. <laughs> Bobby Doll for the win. Wow. I think Bobby Doll was doing a lot. I bet it was probably, if you had to find someone, it would have been a Bobby Doll type. Yeah, exactly. Like a good looking ish uh, bass player in a famous band who was just depraved and had like a serious drug problem. Yeah. And he legitimately 
couldn't survive a day without having multiple partners for right. five straight years. I think you're describing most bass players in the eighties. So, <laughs> but David Lee Roth, I mean, I feel like we're doing him a disservice. Like he's, he was like a legendary. Roth was getting slut. top shelf he was twice getting, a day. He was just a slut who was getting top shelf twice <laughs> He a was day. a total slut. Yeah. All right, here's Top Jimmy. Track four on 1984. If you want to extend it to all pop culture, the answer is Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis, pre-Honey, I Found the Kids, post-Ghostbusters. up in Sierra Madre you're right next to Pasadena yep which is where this band made its bones so that was one of the things when uh, Eddie Van Halen died that kind of blew my mind was on the uh, town Facebook page everybody had stories about partying with Eddie Van Halen <laughs> and it was so cool to read through them and they people were posting pictures oh, and wow. like like uh, bill like uh, posters from when he was in high school Right. And he was having all these parties. Like they were, they would play they all were the a party band. They were a party yeah. band in Pasadena, in the Pasadena area. And all of these like people that kind of still live in my town were talking about, oh my god, like yeah, that was the place to be. Like whenever Eddie was playing, like that was the question. It was like, where's Eddie this weekend? And everybody, had a bu- there was a bunch of band names before Van Halen. Took. Right. Yeah. But Eddie was like a celebrity in that Pasadena high school scene, San Marino, Azusa, like Glendora, like that whole area of the San Gabriel Valley, everybody apparently knew who Eddie Van Halen was and wherever he was playing that weekend, like that's where you would go. Imagine being that when you're 17 years <laughs> that's old. That's pretty cool. That's fucking amazing. The, the re- yeah, the reason that came, that I thought of that is because this kind of sounds like a song you would hear in the backyard of a party in Pasadena yeah. in 1984. <laughs> so many Molsons being thrown around. Oh, nothing but Molsons. Nickelodeon. <laughs> Top Jimmy. I mean, I wouldn't call this like a Van Halen album that I'll think about forever. A Van Halen single or song I'll think about forever, but uh, it fits the vibe here. It's loose and it's fun. Nineteen Born in 1965, Bob would fucking have loved that song. <laughs> I really think you did miss it, Bob, for 15 years. <laughs> that, was, that was your land. All right, here up next is uh, a very 80s title. Drop dead legs, man. Legs yes. are huge in the Oh 80s. my god, people love, le- <laughs> they love legs. We, let's talk legs after we listen. Oh, to please, because that was so fucking big. Yes, these legs don't <laughs> quit. Hot legs, yeah. The legs that just go on forever. Like, what was going on there? I'm a leg man. <laughs> no one's a leg man anymore. <laughs> Bring back the leg man. Crazy. All right, let's listen to this. 
<laughs> yes. It's like the the uh, the equivalent of David Lee Roth's personal assistant back then. His his lackey. Like, I, I need two women uh, during the first intermission when Eddie does eruption, and then I need it after the show. Two more women and three words and you know it and then the the lackey says it as Eddie's saying it legs for days <laughs> I just figured, I just pictured Steven Tyler like waking up and putting on the radio and hearing drop dead legs and taking out his like notebook and just ripping it in half and being like that was my gonna be my song and then just like burying his face in cocaine <laughs> yeah I have a theory here yes is is uh, legs for days and the idea that legs were a category. Now it's more like you're either a boob man or a butt man. We've li- we really limited it. That's to what it things. is. But back in the 80s, it was kind of like, I'm a legs man. Being a legs man, is that where 80s slash 90s long ass came from? Oh, hmm. Maybe. I'm trying to think if that makes sense. Does so that make sense? If you're not familiar with this, it is a phenomenon You'll see it in every 80s and 90s, early 90s video. Cut off right around 92, maybe 93 tops. Yep. Um, where even the most beautiful fit women in movies, TV shows, um, music videos, their their butts, their heinies were like super long. <laughs> long heinies. It was just really, it just went really high. And was that just a product of people liking legs so much that somehow it bled into they bled into ass? It made it made the butts longer. Hmm. I mean, I'm and sure. because nobody's a leg man anymore, does that did the butts shrink because of that? Right around 1994, 93. You I know, think about it. But I don't think enough studies have been done on this, but. I know you've you've often thought about like what's your first you know novel gonna be like what's your first like dissertation book gonna be this right. is what you can dig into and make this your corner call it drop dead legs drop dead legs because at some point the leg man Sub- himself dropped dead subhead did long legs turn into long butt think about it people. I just had a, I just, this has reminded me of um, in the late 90s, mid to late 90s, um, in a desperate quest to uh, be interesting, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to be a leg man. <laughs> and there was one model, I just looked her up because I couldn't remember her name, who became like, she was in like Maxim and she dated Leonardo DiCaprio. And the whole thing where there was like, she's got legs. Her name was like Ava... Herzegova is her name. Eva Herzegova. And I feel like she was like in Maxim. And the whole thing was like, she's got 49 inch legs. And I remember be- talking myself into like, yeah, that's what I'm into. <laughs> that's amazing. Because stick. that was another big thing in the 80s. Everybody was taking out the measurement, the tape measure. <laughs> tape like, measures, yeah. Uh, um, what was it? Hulk Hogan was 24 inch pythons. Yep. And Ava Hergovich was, how long was 40, it? Like, I, I want to say like 46 inch legs. I mean, put down the ruler. Let's just live. <laughs> <laughs> For Christ's sake. All right, here we go. Uh, up next, 1984. You know, Top Jimmy and Drop Dead Legs. Mm, I'm fine. You know, it's not something I'm going to revisit personally. 
but didn't wasn't offensive to me on any level. Uh, it, uh, I'm from this point out I'm, for the rest of my life. I'm only making love to drop dead legs. That's the only song <laughs> playing in my bedroom. Maybe you know everything's cyclical. We've been around long enough, Bob, where we see how everything yeah. just comes back. Leg comeback. Legs making a comeback because right now it's all about the butt. It's been about the butt for a while. It's now. been about the butt for a while. In the '90s, boobs were huge, and we brought up Pamela Lee, quote unquote, the ultimate bitch. Right. Like she was the fa- she was you know kind of the uh, the face of big boobs yes. and how that was. The she was the boobs pinnacle. of big boobs. She was the, the boobs yeah. of big boobs. Uh, but I really believe the last ten to fifteen, even twenty years, it's been about the butt. It's funny because Sir Mixlaw put the butt on the map and then his follow-up single put him on the glass. He went right. to the boobs and that didn't really land for him because I think because he introduced the butt to us, right. we, we, we as a society just kind of stuck there. So maybe if he would have started with the boobs and built to the butt, I don't know. I don't want to rethink Sir Mixlaw's excellent career, but there's something to that. Yeah, I feel like obviously it seems like black culture was way ahead when it came to butt stuff. And I feel like Baby Got Back was basically a siren call to the whites. The only white song about butts, very specifically a butthole, is Dave Matthews' Crash. Yes. That was it. That was the first song. Should we get the red string out here? <laughs> Do we need to? The brown string? Come on. Ew. Ew. Why? The whites... Basically, the whites had baby got back is like, hey, heads up here. This is pretty cool. Hey, white people, we're into <laughs> this. Is this is where you guys are? Into, uh... Was it Kardashian? Were the Kardashians the ones that finally? No, no, it was the Latin. Ushered ex- it in. No, it was J Lo. Shakira. Yeah, it was that whole. Well, it was J Lo first, and then the Latin explosion of uh, 98, 99 is when butts J-Lo, really went mainstream. Yeah, was yeah. butt was a big thing. It's true. All right, here we go. It was, ja, it was Ja Rule yelling, it must be the ass. <laughs> Everything goes back to Ja Rule. Hot for teacher, Van Halen. Fourth and final single from 1984, uh, written by Eddie Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, Michael Anthony. David, can we talk about Michael Anthony now? Sure. I, I like the shape of Michael Anthony. <laughs> you know, he's like built like a rectangle. I like that he played a bass that uh, was a Jack Daniels bottle. Remember, oh, he had yeah, the Jack yeah. Daniels bass. Yeah. And he had he had the beard that. Um, that was good in, in providing some contour to his jowls. I, I mean, I just liked the whole Michael Anthony thing. He stood out. He stood out in the band of, uh, you know, interesting looking people. He was just where your eyes would go every single time. I don't know what it was about Michael Anthony. And then when he gets fired from the later Van Halen lineup and replaced by Eddie's son, Wolfgang. Wolfgang. And it's like, 
Alright, so what happens now? This will be interesting. So Eddie's gone. And Michael Anthony, I believe, now plays in Sammy Hagar's band. Oh, really? Yes. Like, do they reform? Does Wolfgang get the boot because Eddie's not around? Or does nobody give a fuck about anything anymore? Nobody Eddie's gives gone. a fuck about anything anymore. Um, the crazy thing about Van Halen was my first job at MTV in 2002 was for a show called Ultrasound Baddest Band Breakups. Oh, I loved Ultrasound. Or, or I think it eventually became Ultrasound Shakeups and Breakups. And of course, Van Halen was like one of the anchors of this episode. Had to be. Because they were like the most famous band breakup that MTV and VH1 devoted hours of programming right. to between 1995 and 2003. Oh, because also MTV had a had a place in the history of mm-hmm. the story with uh, David Lee Roth showing up with Eddie and Michael Anthony, the Rectangle Man, at the 1996 MTV Music Awards. Yep. Uh, that was became a big part of their the well, controversy. Yeah, I mean, Will was, they or won't they? That was, of course, like the video that you pull out of like Eddie. Uh, wait, Roth looking wearing with the high pants. Yep. The white pants with the suspenders. Like, oh, David Lee Roth is old and not cool anymore. <laughs> That's what like the sixteen year olds were like. Oh, this doesn't matter. Yeah, this, this doesn't matter old. at all. Right. And then there was the Gary Sharon era. It was this whole. Oh, Gary Sharon. Yeah, I mean, Van Halen was famous for breaking up. <laughs> great video too. Yeah, oh, great video. Uh, with the, the the hot teacher dancing Ladies, and babies. all the kids. Uh, I guess a little bit weird too. Well, yeah, <laughs> a little bit. But she's you know the, what? That she's mean, a stripper dance dance for like a bunch of seven like second graders. Okay, when you put it like that, yeah, it feels a little weird. Uh, Klosterman, I did read this after the death of Eddie Van Halen, the whole Vulture countdown of uh, Van Halen songs. Yeah. Here's what he wrote about Hoffer Teacher. He ranked it uh, sixth best Van Halen song, calling it the encapsulation of almost everything Van Halen is known for, all within the space of five minutes. Athletic drumming, an extended guitar introduction that transitions into a thick principal riff, vocals that are spoken more than sung, two interlocked solos, and lyrics that are technically demeaning, but somehow come across as non-toxic and guileless. Um, <laughs> Chuck Horseman fucking loved Van Halen. The very, so, <laughs> the very first shoot that I ever went on in my career for Ultrasound was we had two music experts to come Can I in. just say one? my one memory about Ultrasound? Yes, yeah. Was the intro to it? Because I if you're our age, you used to watch every MTV show right. repeatedly because it was just. Yeah. I remember the it had both Liam doing the "All My People" right here, right now, like part of like the chopped up open, and then it had Bono doing "Discotech." Yeah, and it was yeah. all chopped together with yes. a bunch of artists <laughs> at the time. Yeah. Um, so and we, Bjork, she's like, had, "Touch me." <laughs> <laughs> we had two music experts come in on my first day, David Wilde. And, I love David Wilde, that dude. Chuck Klosterman. My very first shoot was those two guys. Both Whoa. of them, because the boss, I mean, this is MTV. My boss was like 24 years old, but to me, he was the oldest guy and like most professional dude ever. Yeah. He was like a Long Island Guido named Carlo. Um, neither of them made the final cut because he was like, yeah, they're both too ugly. We're not going to put them in the show. What? So despite bringing in two guys who went on to have... I mean, they were already respected, went on to be like the most like two of the most recognizable music and culture critics of the last 20 years. 
they got cut out by some 20, 24-year-old you got to be kidding me about it. Idiot, because they just didn't, like, they weren't, they were not putting them in the show. They don't look good. Oh, boy. That's depressing. Right? There you go. We could have had some expertise in that episode. <laughs> and who replaced them? I don't know. Probably, like, a guy from Puddle of Mud. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> like, the bass player from Jimmy's Chicken Shack was available, so they got him. Oh, that's rough. Okay, yeah. up next is... I believe this was a single as well, Bob. Here is I'll Wait. Yeah, this was another song, a Q104 stable. So um, my memory of Van Halen was if you had an older brother, which neither of us had, or a younger uncle, okay, and you were growing up in the 80s and early 90s, there was, especially where we grew up, there was... A 100% chance he was a massive Van Halen fan Mm -hmm. and had very strong opinions on Van Halen and Van Hagar. Oh, yeah. Nobody had strong uh, opinions on Gary Sharon or any of the shit that happened after 2000. But everybody was totally plugged in. And if you don't know, quickly, David Lee Roth, after this album, quits or gets fired from Van Halen. And then Sammy Hagar, the red rocker, I think he was, <laughs> yep. uh, replaces uh, Roth and they release a couple more big hit albums. But a lot of people, well, it's a debate. Some people do like Van Hagar better. But I remember uh, specifically going to a Yankee game uh, with my Uncle John, who was my younger uh, uncle, and then his buddies. And we're going over the GW Bridge and we're going down the Deacon. And then one of the guys is in the front seat riding shotgun. Mm-hmm. And I was just like a pimply faced, like 13 year old, like just wanted to go see Don Mattingly. Yeah. But they were going there to get fucking ripped in the parking lot <laughs> and, you know, meet up at the bat. And then they go into the stadium. And one of the friends, in a very serious way, uh, says, Hey guys, I got something to listen to. 
and he takes out this tape that he had labored over, this mixtape. I got the best Van Halen mix. Side A, all Roth. Side B, all Hagar. And I remember, like, my uncle was driving. He's like, all right, man, put it in. And we just ripped down uh, over to Yankee Stadium in the Bronx listening to uh, both sides of Van Halen's story. Which one did you enjoy more, A or B? I mean, it's no question for me. It's David Lee Roth, and and I think it was their most fertile period and the best songs. I know you're a big Right Now guy. I'm the biggest right now, guy. Well, you're a big Crystal Pepsi guy. Of I course. Should be clear. Yeah, uh, I still drink. I still drink it to this day. <laughs> I was able to hoard enough of it in 1992. There I'm is some idiot on YouTube, by the way, that I saw it somewhat recently, opened up a Crystal Pepsi that had been saved for 30 years, <laughs> really? just to see what it would look like. Uh, My big right now memory is it just dominating the MTV VMAs that year. Right now, just destroyed the competition and it was a little bit in retrospect right now it was kind of like on the nose in all the worst ways right it was it was a bit ponderous in retrospect um but in the moment especially if you were 11 years old it's like man these guys are fucking on the next level this is poignant <laughs> <laughs> all right i'll i really like i'll wait i feel like it's the big van halen hit that doesn't get as much play as the other Van Halen oh, songs? It definitely doesn't. Out of the ones we've heard so far, definitely not even in the same stratosphere. All right, here is uh, the penultimate track, Bob. Nicely done. Girl Gone Bad. Girl Gone Bad with a 80s long butt. Here's, but how are her legs? She may have gone bad, but what's going on in the leg department? Four days. So I'm just thinking, like, look, good pair of legs, attractive. You can't argue. I mean, of course. I mean, why not? There's nothing wrong with that. It would be amazing if in the 2020s people got into, like, arms. And that just became, like, the new thing. Like, she's got arms. I'm an arm guy. I'm an arm guy. She knows how to use her arms. What if you were like, I'm a torso guy, but nothing boobs related? (laughs) Like just a, like the shape of the torso itself. It's like, are you a serial killer? <laughs> well, that's a serial killer, yeah. That's somebody who's going to kill somebody. I want to see the distance between the ribs and I mean, how the it, flesh holds them. There's already feet guy. That's its own thing. People got to calm down with the feet stuff. But yeah, that's been going on forever. <laughs> Lazy eyes in the summer. I just came up with the best reality show that we have to go pitch. So listening to this song, and I, he's already come up before because he reminded me of it. It reminds me of like those like deep cut Aerosmith songs from the same era, mm-hmm. but with a much better guitar player. I mean, I mean Eddie Van Halen just makes this more interesting because okay. of what he's doing. But 
the general like vibe is like an Aerosmith 70s 80s Aerosmith song to this. Okay. Um, would you watch a show where Steven Tyler and David Lee Roth go around and try to fuck things called gross grandpas? <laughs> gross grandpas. David Lee Roth. Steven Tyler travel around the country. Right now. Right now. In their advanced age. Yes, that's why they're gross grandpas. Do you, does it count like fire hydrants and street signs and things like that? Or do you mean like try to... Oh, no, I mean people. <laughs> well, you called them things. <laughs> I, I don't want to limit what they're fucking, <laughs> but mostly people. Because I want to like, let's draw this out a little bit. Let's wait 10 years until they're senile. And just see them trying to fuck a wall or like a tree stump. <laughs> That's what we build. That's here a little more see, interesting. Start to me. start now and we get there. <laughs> I would love to see these two old creeps together because like they're cut from the same cloth. The the thing that is and it it does age us, but it's like you are not like David Lee Roth holds zero currency. I know. In anyone born like after nineteen. 19- 85 or so. That's what makes this an interesting show. And you need to have somebody And Steven Tyler just looks, he looks like a terrifying old woman. So you need to have somebody young and woke to make sure that our audience knows that we're not approving of what they're doing, like that they're just kind of like inappropriate. But it's kind of like, I know you're watching Cobra Kai, the way that Johnny Lawrence is so like in the 80s that he's not at all able to like understand or sort of communicate on like a 2020 level. They're not going to be able to either. And that would be where the comedy comes from. Can we get, I'm just thinking of ways to diversify this a little bit. Can we get like, um, Tito Jackson in there? Maybe <laughs> like see how Tito does. We got to make sure he's creepy enough. David Lee Roth and Steven Tyler have that old man. I fucked every woman in 1981 and I still think I'm hot vibe to them. Yeah. And so that's why it would be fun. What about, I'm trying to think of um, a woman. What if we got like a woman in the mix too? I don't want to dress up the idea too much, because I think I understand what you're no, getting no, this at. Is the, this is the spitballing process. We, yeah. we have to throw out, there's no bad ideas right now. Like who is like a famous female rocker from decades ago? And she's trying to do the same thing as well. Like mm. I got a feeling she would do a lot better even if she was just as gnarly as the men, just because like, guys are disgusting and they'll just do whatever. It's not the same era, but Courtney Love. Courtney Love. Send her out there with them. Send her out there. Who gets the highest number? Definitely Courtney Love, but that's more like a statement on men are you know, disgusting. <laughs> um, but you tell me how you want to go out for the pitch, because I think a Tyler Roth, Courtney Love... Yeah. Adds in. I still think Tito should be in there too, but if you want to keep Tito out, because uh, you got a, the Jackson stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. We probably want to stay away from the Jacksons. Okay. All right. Where do we pitch this? So, what's going on in VH1 these days? <laughs> They're looking for this, I think. But VH- this thing, you know what? Maybe we go to the streaming services because I feel like we don't want to kind of water it down and sanitize Maybe it. we go right to Pornhub. Wow, Bob. <laughs> so you actually want to see the fucking? <laughs> no. Or the attempt? I, I'm not the audience. I'm not the audience. All right, here's House of Pain, the closing track on 1984. You can't, you can't say, you can't kind of distance yourself from it, Bob, because the fact that you think the idea is interesting means there's a part of you that's like wants to see it. How is this not 
Yeah, no, I think it's a great idea for a show. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, it's time to hear from Stephen Thomas Erlewine, the great, the only rock critic that matters well, in I would our say generation. David Wilde and Chuck Losterman, way better. Stephen Thomas Erlewine too was ugly. too ugly to even show up to the studio. <laughs> I don't know what he looks like for the record, but I would assume. Uh, actually, he's Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven Hot. <laughs> <laughs> He just then never wanted to showcase it because he wanted people okay. to judge him on his that's, music I'm, criticism. I'm okay with that. As long as he's not Brad Pitt, Legends of the Fall hot, I'm okay. Um, okay. Here is what SDE had to say. It's the best showcase of Van Halen's instrumental prowess as a band. The best showcase for Diamond Dave's glorious shtick. The best showcase for their songwriting. Just their flat-out best album overall. It's a shame that Roth left after this album, but maybe it's for the best, since there's no way Van Halen could have bettered this album with Dave around, and they didn't better it once Sammy joined either. So now we know where SDE falls on Van Halen versus Van Hagar. It's a very uneducated and short-sighted thing to say there. Oh, they would have never topped it. How do you know, SDE? He fucking knows, bro. No, he doesn't know. And I wonder what Elmo thinks. Elmo, who made that mixtape in 1991. <laughs> Does he believe that there was another truly great Van Halen album, or was this a case of this original lineup had maxed out? You have to give it to Van Halen and Hagar, by the way. The fact that Van Hagar was great in their own right. Like, for them to be able to pull that switch and lose their lead singer and not be what like bands like Stone Temple Pilots became, like they were able to just, because of Eddie Van Halen's talent, slide in another great lead singer and rattle off number one hits. Who else has done that besides, like, Genesis? Honestly. The answer is Genesis. That's it. Yeah. But the difference is the Peter Gabriel Genesis is terrible. The... Wait a second there. I, I don't have a take. I was going to say, give me... <laughs> I would be surprised if you had a take. I do not have a take. <laughs> I feel like there are some good Peter Gabriel songs, no, but they were kind of like a no, prog rock band. Yeah, they were a weird prog rock band. Um that is a good question. Well, that really does speak to, you know, Eddie being the heart of the band and you can replace the singer if you still have the guy. I guess, like, I wonder... All right, here's a good example. And it never happened, but alternate history, just for fun. If Liam, if Noel fires Liam after What's a Story, Morning Glory, mm-hmm. and then hires uh, the guy from The Verve, okay. Richard Ashcroft. Right. And then they put out the equivalent of Be Here Now. I think it would have been a great album because I think they you had the heart of the band was the guitar songwriter and you just needed someone to deliver the music. And I still think as a singer, mm-hmm. but it's very I guess it's somewhat rare that the the guitarist primary songwriter. Oh, what's the band from Almost Famous? Uh, Stillwater. Stillwater. I think if they got rid of um, what's his name? Billy Crudup? Jason Lee? Jason Lee. My name is Earl. They would have still had big hits. All right. So your best two examples are (laughs) a hypothetical that never happened and a fictional band from a movie 20 years ago. (laughs) Well played. All right. It's time, Bob, uh, before we say goodbye. And thank you, everyone, again, for supporting this podcast um, before it burns to the ground. We have to thank our Patreones at patreon.com slash throwback pod. You guys 
are keeping this thing afloat, regardless of how many fires come dancing on my doorway. It's going to get me back <laughs> so here. So poetic. I know, right? That was STE level pros. <laughs> it's going to get me back in this garage all the time. Thank you to our top tier Patreones, Bruno the sponsor, Courtney and Wyatt still in it, and those beautiful twins, uh, I think. Uh, I mean, I'm sure they are. I don't know. I'm not a creep. There's pro- I mean, they, We've never there's seen a them. decent chance they're very cute, but we haven't seen them yet. <laughs> uh, and of course, our Australian top tier sponsors, Kleine and his buddy Mansi and Dan. <sighs> yes. And Dan, I don't know if you know this, mm. but I threw in a... You know uh, I don't. No, I know you have zero <laughs> investment or knowledge about what's happening with this podcast at any given time. I'm just here to talk shop with you, Bob, in the garage. For fun, I threw up a tier above the top tier. That is okay. an exorbitant amount of money for anybody to pay. Right. And somebody's doing it. So we have Whoa. a man named, I don't know how to say it, spell it, say it, pronounce it, N-I-A-L. Yeah. <laughs> is it Niall? Neil? I don't know. He should correct us and we should say it the right way it's if he's in a, our top top highest tier. It's not a common name here. Let us the, know. Niall yeah. or Niall, Neil. I don't want to even say top tier because we have our top tier sponsors. This is like God tier. Well, thank you to Niall and everyone. <laughs> that That's amazing. Yes. It's it's so fun uh, to do this and to know that people are listening and willing to uh, support the show and, ke- and keep it going. That is that's, I don't even have like a joke. No, it's I just mean, cool. It's insane. I wouldn't. You guys are great. So thank you to everybody. Patreon.com slash throwback pod. You're the best. All right, cool. All right, let's uh, pick it, Bob. One song off 1984 by Van Halen. A week after the death of the great Eddie Van Halen. We celebrate him and his music. And now, I mean, I would. Th- I, the sad thing is he'll never know. Or maybe he does, depending on what your beliefs are here, Bob. Uh, that he is now going to be on the Throwback Podcast playlist. Oh, he'll know. So now we have to pick a song. I want you to pick. All right. Now, it's funny because I don't, like, I kind of wanted to pick Jump, um, but the reason I'm not going to is because, yeah, Jump is a song that you hear. It's like, oh, I've heard this a trillion times, so I'm going to turn it off. But when you listen to it with fresh ears, it's incredible. But you can't assume people on the Throwback Podcast playlist right. are going to give jump. It's just so ingrained in the ears of people at this point. I agree with that. So I do want to go a little bit off the beaten path, but still one of their most well-known singles, I'll Wait. Yes, I think that's the right call. Another great, And I think it does also uh, kind of hit that sweet spot that this album is about, which is it's still a great guitar rock album. And it got kind of dubbed as, oh, it's their synth album. But there's still great guitar in it and uh, a great chorus. I mean, it just, this is the party band from Pasadena, Bob, that got to the top of the world. Close your eyes. You're off Colorado Boulevard at some one of your buddies, friends' houses. His parents are gone for the weekend. Keg in the back. You're just there with a bunch of babes with long legs, a bunch of bros with cool mustaches. And David Lee Roth is here to steal your girlfriend. Yes, he's going to. All right. Follow us on Twitter at ThrowbackPod, on Instagram, ThrowbackPod. Uh, email uh, Bob with some really dark stuff from your past that you need to get off your chest at TheThrowbackPod at Gmail. And uh, I think that's it, Bob. I think that's everything. Rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen. We'll be back in two weeks with another new episode. And uh, I guess the only other thing to say is... 
Go fuck yourself. That's it. We did it. <laughs> <laughs>